0: It's back, the Brian Mudd Show. Throw in your two cents. Call 1 866 610 6397. That's 1 866 610 6397. They know a (laughs) rock. Sit down. You're out of of line and an embarrassment. That conference was not the time or place to do that. Yeah, you had a lot of of backlash after the clown show with. uh, with his participation but what also turned out unfortunately to be a clown show and this is what i mentioned in top takeaway at the onset of the show is the information that was provided during that presser the day after the attack in Uvalde. and next month i'll have been doing this for 25 years fortunately unfortunately Recall covering every single one of these school shootings, so many tragedies that have come about over the course of time, starting with, you know, Columbine and, and 99. And one thing, whether, you know, it's been a, a school shooting or some other type of, of tragedy, I can never recall a time, and we know the pervasive failures that happened here at Stoneman Douglas, But I can never recall another situation where a day removed from the event, you had officials provide information that evidently was so materially incorrect. From an armed guard outside the school exchanging gunfire with the perpetrator to there not being a school resource officer on the scene. When, he, when the perpetrator entered the school to lock down protocol in place, await oh school doors actually unlocked. Then we got we've got to try to reconcile the near hour you had law enforcement on the scene, but didn't take down the perpetrator? Those kids in a fourth grade classroom? Imagine the horror. There's a lot here that is problematic here to talk about. This is an expert on the subject. Speaking of school shootings, she happened to be tapped by the FBI to create the active shooter program after Sandy Hook. Catherine Schweit, the author of Stop the Killing, joins us now. Catherine, appreciate the time.
1: Uh, Yeah, happy to be here. I'd like to say, but, you know, it's not a happy subject.
0: Sure enough, and you know first to what I was speaking to with what appears to have been the incredibly different narrative between wednesday 's official depiction of what happened and what we learned yesterday uh, your your thoughts about that,
1: yeah, I think it's unlike everybody else right in in coming from the law enforcement community we're kind of uh, kind of reeling over. The the words that came out on one day and the next day and the next day, and I, I, I appreciate that I've been at a lot of these situations in these scenes. Things are incredibly chaotic. You're not expected to have a lot of 100% accurate information and the whole narrative of what happened at the beginning. But it's so important to, to say what you know and to gather together what you know. And now... I mean, it's clear that whatever we heard on um, one day was completely different the next day, and then different the next day. And it wasn't cleaned up by press conferences. It wasn't, "Hey, we are sorry about this." So, really, is even with all the facts that you talked about that are now not facts, um, the biggest problem now is there's a credibility issue, and um, ter- for the for the department and for the law enforcement officers in general about. Are we really going to hear the truth? Do we know what the truth is? Even when they tell us in an after action, after, you know, two months, here's what really happened, is that really going to be the truth? So it's a huge credibility issue for for law enforcement specifically there and and in general. And where that really affects the public is now the public is, you know, I'm talking to daycare operators saying, I think I just need to get a gun. I just, I'm not sure that I know that we'll be safe and that the police will know what to do. Well, That's you just bad.
0: You 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 bring up a a really good point there. And and when you have this this crisis of of confidence, then you have almost the the feeling by some of the community that I'm on my own, which. When you see some of the depictions, and I understand we're still waiting for verification on timeline and everything else, but it does appear that rather than going into the school and neutralizing the threat, you had many law enforcement that were there neutralizing the parents who themselves, in many cases, wanted to go into the school. And according to one mom's account, actually did go into the school and get two kids out. That's been another development that we're waiting uh, for verification of today. But... I mean, that that situation obviously does not wash well. And and so you you bring up a good point. And also to the the response, is there ever a situation in law enforcement with protocol in place to where the response could be deemed appropriate by those that did respond before Border Patrol did neutralize the threat?
1: Well, if I could just step outside of just uh, give me the leeway just a little bit to step outside of this precise situation given okay. the fact that we don't know precisely all the facts sure but I, uh, we, but we have a lot of information but let me tell you we, in an unequivocal manner that a law enforcement protocol law enforcement protocol current best practices is that when there is active shooting going on your first and highest priority is to go to neutralize the shooter period period. If you have the capability to go and neutralize the shooter, even if you're the only officer there, that's what the policies and procedures should say. That's current best practices.
0: Yeah, and I I think, you know, that, that speaks volumes. And my understanding of it is, well, and even by the account that we've most recently been given, you have law enforcement that responded, they took fire, and then called for backup. You had some that evacuated other classrooms, but otherwise, seems like they mostly set up a kind of a loose perimeter or something. And the heartache for those parents is is near unimaginable. I'm curious also. I to think that's your, that's a. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say that's that's part of that uh, that's part of the problem, right? You're putting it's like it's like a, icing on the cake. It's adding insult to injury. That. There's this horrible tragedy, and now there's this sidecart story uh, that is what really happened and do we really know, And when it shouldn't be that at all. We should be talking about the babies that were killed and the changes that maybe could prevent that from ever happening again, the adults who were brave and, and faced fire.
0: Catherine, given your passion about this subject in particular, take a look at what happened here after the attack at Stoneman Douglas. And inside of 30 days, we had key stakeholders go to the Capitol, get together with the governor and the legislature, and craft comprehensive gun control measures and comprehensive school security measures. And even subsequent to that, we've passed other measures like Alyssa's law. Do you think Florida's model should be something or could be used as something that would be even perhaps a national model.
1: You know, I, I um, it's a you know, it's a. I don't want to give a, a a specific. I don't want to give you a yes or no, even though I know you want a yes or no, and, and I respect that. I just uh, it's such a complicated issue, and I think culturally, what works in one state might not necessarily work in another state. But, you know, compare say, Montana, right, and, um, you know, to Florida, right, and and Montana might say, we don't need this, or we don't need that, or we don't have this problem the way you do, and, and I think we are a, a country of different states, and gun laws right now have been primarily moderated and managed at the state level, and maybe that's the right answer, but, may, you know, maybe it isn't. I think there are a lot of, there's a lot more discussion that we have to have. I've heard 15, you know, different ideas in the last couple of days that I, you know, never really had. I had people coming out of the woodwork saying, why don't we just raise the age to purchase these kinds of weapons to, to, uh, to 21. I've never heard people say that so adamantly before. Why don't we change the waiting period to, um, to, uh, you know, 30 days or 14 days or different things. And so I do think the states are making a lot of progress. Uh, Florida is working on making that progress Other states are working on making it. I think there's other factors. When you talk about national, I'll just make this one point, additional point. When you talk about a national impact, one of the things that is really important to remember is that when a state, when the state laws just abide by the state uh, and everybody says, okay, well, you know, Florida has these laws and California has these laws and Illinois has these laws, what that doesn't take into account is that we see a tremendous amount of guns move from one state to another state. And so you can have the strictest gun laws here and those, and the people who live in the adjoining states go next door to get, you know, they, they go next door to the adjoining states to get their guns and then come back to commit crime. And so that's why crime, even crime data is hard to try, hard to simplify and explain. So maybe it's a national model, but I don't want to, I don't, you know, I don't want to pin that down because I feel like there's just so many ideas out there and there's, and we'll have to see what maybe congress can come up with and I'm I live right outside of Washington DC. You know, that's a whole other that's a whole other show. I got
0: to say you you still do that by choice, May god bless you. Good luck. With that.
1: You know what? I have a daughter who teaches middle school here. No kidding. I can't imagine how much I worry about this so since right. my daughter is still in the area um teaching uh teaching those little bright minds that are uh, as middle schoolers are, you know, I stay here to support her but it is a tough area to be in sometimes. That's for sure.
0: And Pat, well, thank you very much for the insight and uh, for your service as well.
1: Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Thank you for doing the communications that you do. I think it's really important that the public have conversations like this and understand, you know, their responsibilities, too, and whether that's from a political standpoint or what they should do in their own community.
0: Catherine Schweit. And retired FBI special agent responsible for helping create the active shooter program the FBI recommended. Also, the author of Stop the Killing. You're listening to The Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD. Taking a look at southbound 95, things are still slow from an earlier accident between Hallandale Beach Boulevard and the Golden Glades. This report sponsored by Our American Stories. Then you're slow and go again southbound 95 between 103rd and the Airport Expressway. This week, Our American Stories tells you how the Pez candy dispenser made its way across the Atlantic from Austria and became a staple of American culture. Listen to this week's edition of Our American Stories wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Doug Lindsay, News Radio 610 WIOD.